Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, uh, you know that we started the year in the word of the Lord that we felt like for our church that we were to steward this year was that this was gonna be a year of increase. Come on, anybody believing for increase in their life in 2024? We're believing for increase in, and, and the five areas that we felt like God called us to lean into steward as we're stewarding this word, the five areas were that we would have an increase of daily personal encounters with God. So we spent the first month of the year just talking about like, what does it look like to meet with God every day? What, what does it look like just to encounter God every single day? You know, James 4.8, it's not, there's not a slide, but James 4.8 says, if you draw near to God, that he's faithful to draw near to you. That's a promise. So every word that you read in the scriptures, when you, when you read the Bible, every word is either a truth or it's a promise from God. And so when you read that, that's a promise from God to you. So we're believing for daily and personal encounters to increase. And then the second area is that we would have greater corporate encounters with God. That when we gather together, like we did today, man, that people that weren't walking with God that walked in here, they go, whoa, like there's something different. I sense something different. I walked in one way and I felt this way, but now in this atmosphere of faith, I sense something different. By the way, if you sense that today, that is the presence of God. That is the Holy Spirit. We pray all the time. Holy Spirit, we don't just make room for you in our service. Like we give you the room. We give you the service. Do whatever you want to do. And a lot of stuff that happens might be impromptu and we're just flowing and following him. So we're praying for an increase in our corporate encounters with God. And then the third area is we're praying for an increase of laborers and leaders, right? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. You don't have a harvest problem. You got a laborer problem. And there's too many people that have been sitting on the sidelines of Christianity, cheering things on. Maybe it's sometimes critiquing things that are happening on the field more than we'd like to admit. And God is saying, get in the game. Like it's time. We need everybody mobilized. We need everybody that calls themselves a Christian to do the work of a Christian, to live like a Christian, to speak the words of Christ, to share the love of Jesus. We need that, every single person. So we're praying for an increase of that. And then we're praying that God's gonna enable us, that he would, he would be so happy with what's happening here that he wants to send as many lost people that don't know Jesus to authentic church as possible. That when Father God looks across the place and he's looking, where can I send my child where they would be loved, where they'd be cared for, where people would encourage them, at times challenge them, where the word would be preached and where I would be honored. Oh, I wanna send them to that church. And we're praying that the lost are gonna come in and people are gonna encounter God. And then the fifth area is we're believing for a supernatural increase in resources. What is resource? It looks like resources. It looks like an increase in your own personal finances or your business. It looks like supernatural opportunities to buy a house that somebody else was trying to buy, that you would close that deal that somebody else was trying to close, that you would see increase in different areas of your life. Now, here's what's cool. This is a word that God gave us. He gave, gave us all the way back in October, but we, we shared it with the church in January. Here's what's cool. If you consider this place authentic church, your home church, well, then this word isn't just for our house. This becomes a word for your house. 
so you can stand on this as like, I'm standing, I'm believing, I'm declaring this is a word from God on my house that I'm gonna see a year of increase in Jesus' name, amen. And if you missed any of the services or you wanna catch up or listen to some of the old ones, we have it on a podcast or uh, YouTube video, et cetera, you can catch up there. So today we're in week two of a, of a kind of a mini-series uh, we, we titled Grow Forward. Everybody say, Grow Forward. Grow Forward. And we want to grow up in Christ. We want to grow in maturity. And I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 5 towards the end of the chapter. We're going to go right into Hebrews chapter 6. And, and when you read this, one of the things to know is when the writers wrote these letters, they didn't write like, this is chapter five, the end. And now we're starting chapter six. No, no, no. When the writers wrote it, they wrote it as a letter. And so this was written, so five continues on into six. So we're going to read at the end of chapter five and go right into chapter six. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Cool. Everybody's there. All right. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter five, verse 12 through uh, 14, and then we're going to go right into Hebrews chapter six, and we'll read the first few chapters. If you don't have your Bible, totally cool. We got a big Bible on the screen behind me on the sides of me, and you'll be able to follow along. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible today. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. That's oracles, it's talking about the word of God. So you need somebody to teach you the first principles, the basics You've come to need milk, not solid food, but solid food belongs to those who are full age. That's not meaning old. <laughs> that means you're spiritually mature, right? So you say solid food is for the spiritually mature. That is who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and of evil. They are mature in God and can discern when something's off, right? So verse six or chapter six, excuse me, verse one, we're gonna go right into it. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, so that he's likening the elementary principles to milk. So I'm leaving the elementary, the principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. And then he lays out six things that he shares that are quote unquote elementary principles. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So the writer of Hebrews lays out these, these six doctrines. So the six doctrines, again, just really quick, is the foundation of repentance, foundation repentance from dead works. There is the, the foundation, the element of faith towards God. So I'm walking away from sin, but if I don't turn and go towards God, I could have a, a sad reality of walking into another sin that's gonna hold me down. He says, repent from the dead works and turn towards God, grow in faith towards God. And then baptisms, plural, and last week I taught on the, the three baptisms we see in scriptures, and really quick, just to catch you up if you were new, the three baptisms is at, at salvation. You're baptized into the family of God by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that baptizes you into the family of God. That's why you could go to the middle of nowhere. You could go to Brazil and meet another Christian brother in Brazil, and they welcome you in, and it's like you guys are family because you are spiritually. So the first baptism, you're baptized into the family of God by the Holy Spirit of salvation. The second baptism is the baptism in water, and you're baptized in water by a disciple, and we have some people that are gonna be baptized 
baptized in water today, which is going to be an awesome celebration. And then the third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the, the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit is actually Jesus himself. Remember, John the Baptist says, there's one coming after me. I can't, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And he's going to do what? Baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Come on, somebody. So week one, last week we unpacked those. And then today, week two, we're gonna talk about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now, these are the ABCs of faith, okay? So, so if, if, if you remember, some of you have kids, you're working with them on understanding the ABCs. Why are we so big on helping our kids understand the ABCs? Well, because if they don't understand the ABCs, those are the building blocks of language. They're the building blocks for words that we would express. So we would have a hard time communicating if they don't understand some of the basics. And those letters form words, those words form sentences, those sentences form thoughts and ideas that we're able to express. So it, it increases connection. Having the language increases the, the tightness of the culture. And language is so important. And, and I, I found this interesting. I just kind of went on a, a, a side note, kind of turned left and went on a deep dive looking into different languages and, and some etymology of some things. And I, I, I wrote down these, these five interesting facts about language. There, there's uh, over 2,700 langu languages around the world, over 2,700 languages. And in the 2,700 languages, there's over 7,000 dialects that are spoken. I moved here from Texas three and a half years ago, and I'm telling you, there's a dialect in Texas. There's, I think they probably have 3,000 of the 7,000 in Texas alone. Another fun fact, every two weeks, another language or dialect goes extinct. It's just not used anymore. Interestingly enough, um, in Israel, the Hebrew is a primary language now, but Hebrew was actually a dead language. It wasn't spoken uh, for, for many, many years. And then all of a sudden, there was kind of like a resurrection, if you will, of the Hebrew language, which goes into a deeper dive teaching. Oh, by the way, put that slide up of Israel, if you don't mind, of Casey Tate, Josh. So uh, next week, I want to let you know, uh, we have our own Casey Tate that's going to be sharing. Uh, she's kind of our own personal, uh, yeah. She, she, she's known and we're a fan of Case. She's, she's part of the family here at Authentic Church and she's lived in Israel. She's been a close friend of ours for over 20 years, but she's lived in Israel and she happened to be in Israel the day that the attacks happened on October the 7th. She was on the front lines being rushed into bunkers and everything else. Like the story she has like will blow your mind. And so she's been there serving boots on the ground and uh, Authentic Church, you know, we don't pass the buckets uh, every Sunday. We really only do three offerings a year. And the first offering we do every year actually goes to reach people in Israel with the gospel, both Jewish people and Arab people, right? I mean, we're, we're going after everyone that doesn't know Jesus in the land of Israel. And Casey's organization that she works with helps to oversee the accountability and the distribution of those funds. So next week... For those of you that gave, you're gonna hear some awesome stories of where some of those finances went and the blessings. So if you're intrigued about what's been happening in Israel, if you wanna have a further understanding, what does this mean biblically? What should our stance be as Christians in the middle of all this craziness and the conflict and war and everything else? I think next week, I think you're gonna be really, really encouraged. It's gonna be an awesome time. So Casey Tate, I wanna throw that out, so don't miss that. Thank you, Josh, for following along with me, but I know I'm skipping around a little bit. You're a good man, Josh. Josh. All right, 
So back to the languages. So the building blocks of language is the ABCs. Well, the building blocks of Christianity is what the writer of Hebrews tells us right there, these elementary principles. And now I want to share this, this quote here. Having a foundation of the elementary principles of the Christian doctrine will keep us from regressing to someone who has been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, tasted the heavenly gift of salvation, tasted the good word of God, tasted the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet they have fallen away. Having the foundational elementary principles will keep you from falling away. And guy, I'll just be honest with you. I've lived now long enough and seen Christian friends that were once on fire for God, and I've watched them grow cold and walk away from the things of God. And every time, I'm just like head scratching because I'm like, you, man, I was with you. I, I, I've seen you. I've seen you. I've heard the worship that came out of your heart. I've heard the prayers that you prayed when we did prayer meetings until one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Like, I've watched you walk with God, and now you're suddenly turned away. I mean, I'm like, it's the biggest head scratcher to see that happen. Second Thess- Thessalonians chapter two, verse three, Paul writes, he's talking about the day of the Lord, the the return of Christ. It says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the second coming of Christ, will not come unless the falling away comes first. Like that, there's there's an aspect where that's gonna happen, but the good news is there's actually gonna be a massive amount of people who come back to Christ. The story doesn't end there with the falling away, but we're believing they're gonna come back to Christ, and if you got a prodigal son or daughter, somebody in your life you're believing to know Jesus that has fallen away, I wanna encourage you, church, stand strong, continue to go after them. Text them the uncomfortable text, will you come to church with me? (laughs) Text them, encourage them, send them a Bible verse. Be the crazy Christian that's just showing up in their life where they're like, oh my gosh, not this person again. You know what? On the day of judgment, when they're standing before the Lord because they had a relationship with Jesus, they're gonna thank you for being that crazy Christian in their life. Hebrews 2.1 uh, warns us. Hebrews 2.1 says this, so we must listen carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. That's why I'm teaching this because I don't want you to drift away from it. Like there's another scripture in Hebrews that says we have an anchor. We have this hope, this anchor. How do you keep from drifting? And for those of you that got a boat, how do you keep from drifting? You make sure, is the anchor tight? Are we, does the anchor down, right? If the anchor ain't down, you're just gonna be drifting along and get, kind of go with every wind of doctrine and wave that comes your way. But if you got an anchor that's founded in scripture on these elementary foundational principles, dude, you're gonna be able to weather the storms that are coming and the storms that are coming. <laughs> So last week we talked about repentance, faith, baptisms, laying on hands. This week we're gonna tackle these. The first one we're gonna tackle is the doctrine of the resurrection. The doctrine of the resurrection. Now having said that, if you're new, if you, if you're new to the Bible and you're new to Christianity, I, I know how that sounds. I, 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 that sounds like the resurrection, like it sounds like zombie apocalypse, like something I've seen in a movie, Sharknado, I mean, whatever it is. Like, it sounds like the resurrection of the dead, like uh, okay, I'm exiting stage left. Thank you for inviting me to your church today. But there will be a resurrection. There was a resurrection and there will be a resurrection. So Jesus is the resurrection. He's the resurrection of life. And those who follow after Christ, you will experience a resurrection. 
And I'm gonna unpack this a little bit. It's, it's such a massive topic. I could do a deep dive, like four week study on this alone. I'm gonna try to bring it together the best that I can in the final four hours that we have today. James 4, 4 why are you laughing? This? Just kidding. James 4.14 says this, what is your life? You are mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Some people live their life as if they're gonna just live forever to this side of heaven and you're not. Like you're not. Like this life, it's like a mist. Like it's like that morning fog, you know? Like if you ever woken up early in the morning, you go out on a walk and it's just like the beautiful fog. It's just kind of like, cool and you maybe if, if you go down by the beach there's there's a smell of that ocean breeze that's kind of coming off the water and kind of creeps up into Costa Mesa and stuff like and you just kind of there, there's that freshness in the air the Bible's like your life is going to be like that and then within an hour or two it's just gone that's how our lives are and if we're not careful we can live for today rather than living for eternity and when we get to eternity we have the harsh reality that man I was I could have, I, I, sh- I didn't, and I don't want you to feel that way. I, my, my, part of my job as a pastor is to prepare you for that moment when you're standing before God. And I wanna see you finish the race strong. So historians, sacred and secular historians alike, they would all attest to the fact that there was a guy named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago in an area of Galilee and Nazareth, kind of up in the northern region of Israel. Like, you go to Israel, you talk to somebody that's a believer and not a believer, they're like, oh yeah, there was a guy named Jesus here. And some of the people, they believe he was just a good teacher, he was a nice guy. Some of them would say he's a prophet, the Muslims love to say that, oh, we believe he was a prophet. And then my next question, this is, this is kind of like the, the, little, the little hook in sharing the gospel with a Muslim. Want me to tell you the secret? So when, they, when you ask them, you're like, okay, so do you believe Jesus was a prophet? Like emphatically, they'll go on and on about how Jesus was a prophet. So then I'll ask them, I'll say, do you believe that he was a true prophet or a false prophet? And then I'll let them just slowly fix, <laughs> tie the bow on the message of Christ. They'll say, oh no, he was a true prophet. And they'll say, do you know what he said about himself? He actually claimed to be God. He said, the only way you can get to heaven is through him. And they're like, I don't, uh, he, um, you know. And so like, that's, the, that's like the icebreaker of all icebreakers when you're sharing the gospel with a Muslim. Like, was he, was he a true prophet or a false prophet, right? But the resurrection of Jesus, it changed everything. Jesus went from being a good guy or a nice teacher or a healer, like we love him when he does that, to then he's God. Like the resurrection is the single most important moment of history when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Like we celebrate it every year at Easter, right? Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate it every year, but sometimes people live like he's just Jesus on the cross who died for my sins, but we don't live in the confidence, the crown of glory that's given to you as a believer in the fact that he's the savior of the world, man. Like, like, like he, he so wants to take you from living at the cross to walking in glory. He wants you to feel like, man, I'm seated in heavenly places with the most high. And Jesus says, I so want you to recognize this, that he told his disciples, he said, greater things than you've seen me do, you're gonna do. Mind-blowing. That's Jesus. He's inviting us. He's inviting us into the space. So we gotta get into the resurrection. John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? 
And I feel like today, I put that scripture in there because I feel like today Jesus is saying, do you believe this? Like, do you really believe that he is the savior of the world? Do you really believe that he lived, that he died, was buried, and really rose again? Do you really believe that? And if you said yes, there's awesome news for you. First Corinthians 15 Paul's writing this. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture said. Now here's the cool part. If you go along in 1 Corinthians 15, you get to verse 49. He says, just as we're now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Isn't that cool? I love how it phrases that in the New Living Translation. Right now, we're like the earthly man. We got these earth suits on. Some of us, our earth suits may be, you know, needing more time in the gym than others. But, you know, we have this earth suit. We're like this earthly man. Man, but one day we're gonna be, we're gonna be the heavenly man, right? We're gonna be that heavenly man. Not only was Jesus resurrected, but one day we'll be resurrected. Somebody said, well, what is our resurrected body gonna look like? You know, like, well, we know that we're gonna be able to recognize each other. There's scriptures that talk about that. Uh, some people say, well, I, I, I wanna come back as a teenager. I wanna come back in my 40s. We don't, I, don't, I don't believe we get to pick that. I mean, there's credence to uh, one theologian. He, he made this big case that so you're probably gonna come back looking like your 30-year-old self. And the reason that he had made this claim was because a rabbi could not actually enter into ministry till they were 30. It's one of the reasons Jesus, he came to fulfill the law, so he entered into ministry when he was 30 years old. Um, a priest, you couldn't be ordained as a priest until you were 30 years old. We know that David, he was anointed, but he didn't come to become a king till he was 30. So there's some credence to that. So that could be really good news for you if you were a fit-looking dude and 30, you know, and, you know, and if you're a teenager and you're just like, oh, I don't get to live out my 20s and you're 30. You know, I mean, I don't know, it could happen. So that elementary teaching the fact that there is a resurrection in Christ and the fact that you and I are gonna experience a resurrection, that's, the Bible is saying that's an elementary, that's, that's just basic understanding. And the reason that he's putting it in there is there were some that were questioning. They were questioning, did Jesus really, did this, this guy we're following, did he really rise from the dead? And Paul's like, yes, he rose from the dead. The writer of Hebrews, yes, this is an elementary doctrine. Why? Because if he didn't rise from the dead, then everything you have faith in is, no pun intended, dead. Like Jesus is the only one in history that predicted his own death, said how he would die and everything else, and that three days later he would rise. He was the only one that did that, actually pulled it off. <laughs> Other people tried to predict their death, like, I'm gonna die this way. Jesus was the only one that predicted it, and then he pulled it off. It was like, ba-bam, like, Hello, you know, everything in history is pointing to Jesus is the son of God. All right, so, so there's, there's, there's the resurrection and then the, the last one, the last elementary principle, and then we're gonna land the plane here, is eternal judgment, eternal judgment. And it sounds like, I almost feel like when you say it, it should be like eternal judgment. You know, like it just sounds like so serious, but, and, it, and it is, <laughs> but you know, there is, there's, a finite, there's an eternal judgment that you're gonna face. I want to read this out of Revelation chapter 20. And if you've never read this before, I want you to read this in light of the eternity that awaits every single one of us. It says this, John, John, one of Jesus' disciples, he, he, he's having this vision and he writes down what he sees. And he says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. 
and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, catch this, and books were opened. Pause. The great white throne, and he sees books being opened. Remember that. Then another book was opened, singular, which was the book of life. Some translations you might have the Lamb's book of life. The book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, plural, according to what they had done. So he's differentiating. You following that? He's differentiating between the book of life and books. Another book was opened, the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sieve gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, singular, then they were thrown into the lake of fire. So what is this telling you? It's telling us that there's two judgments. Some people feel like there's just gonna be one judgment in eternity. And that's true if you haven't been born again. So you're born physically into this world, and we have some friends of ours that are part of the church this morning, the Mendez family, and they're in labor, and they're gonna be having a baby. Any, they might have already had it, for all I know. Not yet. They're gonna be having a baby today. Okay, there's the first birth, Okay. The second birth, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in, in the Gospel of John, and he says, unless you can be born again, you, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. And he's scratching and saying, how can, can I go back into my mom and be born again? I don't understand what you're saying here. Jesus is like, no, there's a spiritual birth. Just as there's a physical birth, you also have a spiritual birth. Here's the thing. If you have two births, you only have one death. If you have one birth, then you end up having two deaths. The second death is the death where you're eternally cut off from God thrown into the lake of fire as Revelation talks about it. So there's, there's two judgments. The first judgment is what I call the everybody judgment. That's the great white throne of judgment. The great white throne of judgment, is, it's the judgment where God is asking you, I sent my son Jesus, and you can be either judged by what he did or you can be judged by what you did. What do you want? Do you wanna be judged by all, all your own works? or by what Jesus did. And if for those of us that are Christians and put our faith in Jesus, then we, we, get, we get the pass that says you passed and you can go next to the Bama seat of Christ, okay? If you didn't, now you have to stand trial, if you will, for your works that you did in the body. So there's two judgments, the great white throne of judgment, and the second one is the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bama seat, if you've ever heard that. And the, and the judgment seat of Christ is like, okay, you were saved. It's, it's judgment seat, it sounds kind of harsh. It's a little bit more like when you read about it and study it out, it's a little bit more like a reward ceremony. Like what's like, yay, we get to all clap. You know, you did this in life and you did this and you know, you're gonna, Billy Graham's going through and you're going through and Mother Teresa and every, like, you know, it's a little bit more of like a, an award ceremony moment, right? But there, there is an aspect of your works in this life carrying weight in eternity. Matthew 16, 27, Jesus said, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. It's talking about himself. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, let me pause here. You are not saved by what you have done. 
Like you, all your good works, your best thing, you, 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 you could have built hospitals and taken care of orphans and done all those things. If you did not have a relationship with Jesus, you're gonna be judged by any sin that happened in your life. And sin cannot live in the presence of a holy God, which is why God sent Jesus. In Christ, now you get rewarded for the things that you've done. Jesus' little brother James wrote the book of James and James talks about like, if you have faith, I should be able to see it in your works. Like, if you're really living, in other words, like, if you really say you're a Christian, like, I, I mean, your, your life should kind of look like it. Like, something doesn't match up. And by the way, all of us are in process, including yours truly, okay? So don't judge me. I don't judge you. Jesus judges us. The Holy Spirit's leading us. Everybody in here, we're all on a journey. Thank God we're still on the journey. We are being perfected. We're not perfect, all right? There's hope for every single person, all of us. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, for the Christian, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Romans 14.12, so then, each one of us, we're gonna give an account of our lives. Every single person. Uh, your mom can't stand in place for you. Uh, your pastor cannot stand in place for you. Every one of us will give an account for our lives. In the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, it's like, you're a Christian, beautiful, awesome. You're gonna live for all of eternity in heaven. And then God has a question for you. What'd you do? I put, I put you on the earth in 2024 and we have more access to sharing the gospel online than we ever have before. The Bible has been translated in, I think, 20, almost 2,500 languages, and there's only 2,700 languages out there. We only got a few more hundred to go, and the Bible would be translated into every single language on the earth. Amazing. What did you do with that? I, I, I gave you gifts and talents and abilities. I gave you the brain that you have. I, I gave you the giftings and the skill that you have, the passion you have. Like, and Jesus is saying, what'd you do with it? What'd you do? And his hope is, his desire is, he wants to reward you. He, like, he's like so excited for you. And can I be honest with you? Like, that's, that's that moment, that's what drives me. It, it, it drove me the way I built businesses and ran companies and the days before we planted Authentic Church, it, it, it wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning sometimes where I'm praying for people and I'm praying for myself and I'm praying for my kids because I, I want you to be prepared for this moment. There's a lot of things we can do in life. There's a lot of things that pull us. There's a lot of fun things we can do. And I love that. I, I love getting away. I love going to Disneyland. I love taking trips. I love waking up and sleeping in and going out for a nice breakfast on a Saturday morning, etc. There's a lot of things I can do with my life. But man, there's some things that I can do that is gonna actually ripple, have a ripple effect in, the, in eternity. There's an eternity that waits us. So here's God's heart. 1 Timothy 2.4, here's God's heart. God wants all people to be saved. He wants everybody. This is his heart. He's saying, I want everybody to be saved. He's like, I want everybody to live with me. I want to spend all eternity with all of my kids. I, I, I help make them. I, I, I watch them as they grow. I, I, I was cheering them on. I've been encouraged. I've been trying to get, I, I want to have a relationship. I want everybody. I want everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Romans 10, 13. Here's what's cool. Everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. That's a promise. So if you're like, I think I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I think I have a relationship. I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. If you're kind of like that, I was that guy. Raised Catholic. Somebody's like, are you going to heaven? I'm like, well, yeah. They're like, why? I'm like, because I didn't kill anybody. I mean, come on. Like, I'm a good person, you know? And then I had somebody share with me, like, dude, everybody has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Like, their sin separates you from God. So how are you gonna make that chasm in eternity? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, the good news is you don't have to because Jesus did. Because he went to the cross and he didn't stay on the cross. He actually defeated the death and the grave and you can have a relationship with him and he's gonna help you defeat the things that would try to lead to death and kill your life as well. He wants to lead you into that relationship. Acts 2.38. So pe- people hear this, this, this message about Jesus, kind of like what I'm sharing interspersed in the message today and they're like, what do we do now? Like what's our next step? And Peter says to them, he says, repent, turn away. We talked about that last week. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In whose name? In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now here's a promise. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? Acts 2.41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. The early church didn't count you if you were a follower of Jesus because you raised your hand and prayed a sinner prayer. No, the early church counted you as a a follower of Jesus because you were water baptized. Like baptism is so key and it's not just a physical act, that it's actually a spiritual moment. It's a holy moment between you and God. It's literally, it's, it's a moment where, where the things that have previously held you back, you're, you're gonna come up out of the waters of baptism and you're gonna experience freedom. I can't tell you how many people I've baptized through the years and they're like, man, all of a sudden, like the stuff I struggled with, I, I, can't, I don't struggle with it anymore. I don't even know how to explain it. Man, I, I used to read the Bible and it was boring. I didn't understand any of it. And suddenly, after my baptism, it's like I start to understand it. There's something supernatural that happens through baptism. And if you feel awkward being baptized, I remember I was, got saved, I started going to this church and they were gonna have baptisms and so I show up at the baptisms and it's like me and like the whole youth group, right? And I'm in my 20s and a single dad with a kid in tow and my parents came, supported me. And I felt so awkward. And it was just like, it was a beautiful setup from God because God was like, are you doing this for the applause of men or are you doing this out of devotion to me? Like, do you really care what people think about you? Luke 9, 26 says this, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and the holy angels. I mean, whew. If you're, if, if you're too embarrassed to be baptized with the family of God around you, I'll be honest with you, you might have a lot of challenges just living for Jesus out in the world, especially with the craziness of the world and the craziness that's gonna happen in the days and the weeks of the years to come. So if you've not been water baptized, today's your day. We're gonna have water baptisms at the conclusion of the service today. It's one of our favorite things that we do as a church family, just as when you have a birthday, you celebrate with gifts and it's a party. Today we're gonna celebrate and it's gonna be a party. And we have a few people that have decided to go all in for Jesus and are getting water baptized. I'm so excited and honored to be walking with them in this holy moment. 
If you can stick around today after church and be part of it, I wanna invite you to do that. We're gonna have tacos. It's gonna be an amazing time. We're gonna celebrate. We're gonna have fun. It's a party. It's a birthday party for some people that are being spiritually born again and walking in newness of life. So just to recap this mini-series that we did on the elementary principles, if you're going to grow forward, you're gonna have to have a foundation that's built upon these six areas. Number one, is repentance from dead works. Like there's things that the devil, he's so awesome at putting little things in your path to try to trip you up. You don't gotta go looking for stuff. Stuff just seems to show up, you know. He's just gonna throw that out there just to try to get you to fall down, right? And he, he laughs, he loves it. He's like that bully on the, on the playground that goes and trips people. Like that, that's who he is. Like he loves to do that. You gotta repent from those dead works, those things that try to trip you up. You gotta repent, turn away. And don't just turn away from them, man. You gotta go grow in faith with God. And I'm preaching to the choir because you're here this morning. And I wanna encourage you, keep coming back. Just showing up is half the battle. I remember some, some days I would go to church and that first church that I went to and the, the worship was a little wild for me. As a Catholic boy, it was different. People had their hands raised and they were singing and shouting and everything else. And, and sometimes I would purposely go late because it was just like, I just want to hear the word, <laughs> you know. I feel a little comfortable with that. I feel uncomfortable with all these people singing about Jesus, you know. You got, you're going to grow in God. It's going to be uncomfortable. If you've ever done anything first, ever, ever gone to the gym for the first time and you're looking at the machines going, I don't even know what that does. <laughs> you're waiting for somebody to walk up and do it so you can feel like, oh, okay, that's what that is, <laughs> you know. You're going to grow in God. Third area. Man, if you've not been water baptized, that's, that's your next step. Today's your day. Get water baptized. I didn't bring anything. No worries. Guess what? We planned for you. We have extra towels. We have shirts. You can have the shirt. If you can bring us back the towel, we would appreciate it. You can bring it back next week. But you can wrap yourself up. I would rather go home wet in right relationship with Jesus than go home dry and still be a dirty sinner. Right? The fourth area, you I wanna encourage you, be open to receiving prayer. The laying on of hands, there's something so beautiful that happens in your life when you receive prayer. We all have something, and you don't gotta tell all your stuff to everyone, but I would encourage you as a pastor, as a friend, as somebody that's been walking with God for many years now, I just wanna encourage you, you don't have to tell everything to everyone, but you gotta tell someone. If you're gonna walk in freedom, you got to have somebody that you can go to and you can just spill it all out. This is, this, is, this is my stuff. Here I am, and I wanna walk in freedom. Will you help me? I'm telling you, there's people in this room that are like, I believe in you. I've walked in that same stuff. I was tripped up in those stupid dead works. The devil got me in that area before in my life as well. Let me show you how I walked out of it, amen? The fifth area is experience the resurrection, that you don't just come and hear about Jesus on a cross and leave him there. No, you actually experience the resurrection power of Jesus in your life where what was dead is now alive and he's making all things new. Experience the resurrection. And the sixth area is, man, I wanna encourage you, live with purpose. Like, live with purpose. Go after God. You're gonna come into an, a moment where you're gonna have an eternal judgment, the bama seat of Christ. He's gonna be like, what did you do? And I'm so excited as your pastor, I'm gonna be so excited to get a, an inside look into that moment. Like, I'm just asking, Lord, would you just, let me just peek through, 
the, the veil? Can I just be a front row seat in that moment? Just this, I knew they did. I knew Lita would do. I knew she did that cool stuff. I, I, I knew I knew Jeff did that. Oh man, I, I, I watched him do that. Lord, I get to celebrate. Man, McBurney's man, I saw him do. Bah, bah, bah. Like Quinn, oh man, she traveled the world. She preached the gospel, and she, man, Megan, and she was writing those worship songs to you guys. She, like I'm so excited for that moment where your eternity, you get to celebrate, and we get to celebrate with you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.